week. Uh, we've got a lot of stuff to cover. And it's uh, there's been just a lot of happenings recently. There's been a lot of trailer drops. There's been a lot of things happening. And Sean and I are pretty excited to talk to you about a lot of the stuff that's been going on. How you doing, Sean? Doing good. Happy to be here. Happy to talk about a lot of stuff. Good, good, good. Uh, we do have an agenda this time. We're going to try and work through it the best that we can because we're so good at, at staying on it. But... Uh, um, to kick things off, Sean and I had the opportunity recently to go see Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. And to be honest, my expectations were, I don't know, I actually came in with like lower expectations of it being good than probably most did. Because I think a lot of people were expecting a lot. And I was like, you know what, I'm just going to go in and see what happens and kind of just take it at face value and see what happens. I don't know. How about you? I wish we all could do that, right? I wish we could have that kind of attitude by going into a movie. Let's see what happens. We'll have a good time. But we always prop up our expectations, especially with these comic book movies. And they want to be something spectacular. I enjoyed the 2016 first one. I thought it was good. I thought there were some differences that um, Scott Derrickson or Scott yeah. Erickson, Scott, Scott Derrickson Derrick. did. Yeah. Um, that I really enjoyed. I liked the climax. I liked the villain. I, um, the uh, more Madu, more Mandu. What's the last guy's name? More is, it, is that? More Mandu, um, Yeah, I think that's. Oh, Dor Dor Dormammu. Dormammu. Thank that's you. It. Oh my gosh, you're, you're getting like Dormammu and Mordo mixed in together. That's what I good, did. That's what I did. Um, but. I, uh, Mads Mikkelsen's Kaecilius was eh, not, I mean, he was kind of forgettable yeah, for sure. That's true. But with that being said, I kind of like what they did at the end. Uh, he just was on a time loop and he was getting killed over and over again. Anyway, we're going into a Dr. Strange one. My whole point of me saying that is I look, I enjoyed it and I was looking forward to this. Um, and having finished WandaVision pretty soon and knowing that uh, Scarlet Witch is going to play an important role, I was pretty excited for that as well. So I had a little bit higher expectations than you, for sure. That's not a bad thing. And to like to look at it comparatively to like what we had with the uh, 2016 one, you know, I felt like it actually carried the same uh, same kind of feel to it. Like there wasn't a whole lot of difference in the. Uh, what do you call it? There's like a tone, just the tone. Yeah. The general tone of the film carried straight over from the first one. I felt even though a lot has happened since the last film, you know, we've had a, a number of years in between this and the last right. one. It was like what, right. eight years or something. But, um, you know, it was, yeah. it was, it was a it, big changes. You know, there's lots of stuff that happened in the movie and, um, I think the character has grown a lot since then. You know, a lot of big things have happened to him in particular. But I wasn't I wasn't thinking that um it was gonna be like this huge masterpiece of a film that was gonna like blow me away. I was expecting some some big stuff, but I was actually more pleasantly surprised by the stuff that I didn't see coming that came and I was like, Oh, that's great. Just so we're clear, this is non-spoilery to start with, you know, right now we're, we're not going to reveal too much. So, um, 
I went in with those kind of just average expectations and came out thinking, wow, that was that was really great. You know, for somebody who wasn't expecting like, you know, uh, Spider-Man No Way Home kind of reveals, it was like, you know, this is great. Um, I feel like the direction was well done. You could definitely feel Sam Raimi in there like we talked about, like because Sean and I both went and saw it together and came out of the theater and like, yeah, Sam Raimi was all over that. His fingers felt like it was all over even though i think sam raimi said oh i didn't do much to it i was like yeah that's not true i can tell he was all over it especially where <laughs> we had some certain characters show up and and things that like that i don't know how did you sure. feel sam raimi did with it comparatively and we talked a little bit after the getting out of the movie theater and what we feel sam raimi did with the original spider-man trilogy like Spider-Man 2, I think a lot of people who are listening to this and a lot of people that are similar to us would say it's one of the best comic book movies ever. And I I agree with that. Um, it was a great first two Spider-Mans, but um, I heard that he did get to make the movie that he wanted to for Spider-Man 3. I digress. That's for another day. We can talk about that. But <laughs> um, so I really like what he did. I'm a huge fan of Evil Dead 2. I think it is one of the most underrated movies. And there's a lot of references in, in this movie. I didn't realize it until like going back and watching some reviews itself. So I'm a big fan of Sam Raimi and the fact that he had car blanche. Is that the term? Yeah, car blanche, yeah. Where he could just like do, he thinks, oh, I didn't do much, but oh my gosh, he was just, there was a lot of things that were going on that I felt like once we get into spoiler territory, I'm like, I wouldn't see that coming or that getting a green light from Kevin Feige, but I guess it did. I mean, for like, like Sam Raimi is like a horror director and for what he did, you could tell that you know this was pushing horror boundaries with a lot of like the jump cuts, uh, some of the film techniques he likes to incorporate. Mm-hmm. There was like a lot of um, that he builds up a lot of tension very quickly in certain scenes. So I was like, man, this was really really well done, especially from like a horror perspective. You like really incorporated some of those elements, and then some of the unsettling things in there. You're like, oh yeah, I mean, any other Marvel movie this probably wouldn't have worked but where dr strange is concerned yes you can do this and get away with it pretty easily because what he does with magic is beyond what the imagination and mind can like comprehend so i felt like it was it was it was okay to have it there i mean it was meant to it was planned for you know Uh but overall yeah i really enjoyed it not it's not like if you've ever listened to um Mr. Sunday movies or um the Weekly Planet uh podcast they they usually do best movie ever or worst movie ever and then they like kind of do their own judgments of like what number on a scale they think it is if i had to say best or worst movie ever i would say this is probably in the best movie ever territory and and so that's above the 50% line right far yeah, if that's our standard we're using, for sure, this is we're gonna go def- both ways. Yeah, definitely go and see multiple times, and it has very rewatchability, in my opinion. Yeah, when you get in this territory, I feel like there's a lot of Easter eggs, and there's a lot that you can soak up again. Sometimes I think the Marvel movies have a rewatchability quality. Some are a lot more rewatchable than rewatchable others are. Like, 
you and I talked, like, I can watch um, uh, Ant-Man and the Wasp pretty much any day of the week and be satisfied just because it's an easy, funny movie to, to like, consume. This is, like, I kind of want to feel some emotional and feel some tension going up and down. So I want to, like, rewatch this one, you know. For sure. This was this was courageous and went somewhere that I don't think any MCU movie has. Maybe Infinity War, but but that you know what I'm referring to. Like I it's verging on that. Yes. You know, playing um, with a lot of you're playing with a loaded gun. That's the kind yeah, of thing you're doing. Heavy stuff. And whether the stakes are high in our quote-unquote reality and now i'm teetering it a little bit into spoiler alert but i i would it was bold it was so bold can't wait to see it again um i don't know how much longer you want to go without non-spoilers but it's up to you you're you're leading this ship what else do you want to cover before we dive into that let's let's call out our like number on a scale of one to ten like how much or how let's say and not how much we liked it necessarily but like how overall like how good of a movie is this in terms of just like theatrical and cinema you think it is and then we could like talk about like another rating of like how much you actually liked it so as a movie quality one to ten i'm gonna put this at like a like an eight and a half, maybe almost a nine. Like as a wow. quality of a as a quality of a movie, like start to finish, you can follow the movie. It does what it's supposed to do. There's no lag. It tells a story and tells good arcs, and it makes you care about the characters and what each of them are going through, even about the villain of the story, especially where that's important. You like empathize with the villain. You also empathize with the main characters. I'm gonna say it's like an eight and a half. I'm not going to put it on on the par with like Spider-Man No Way Home because that one was almost in in a way like perfection in type of film that it portrayed or ported itself right. to be. This was like I'm going to try and be like five different things and it basically hit like 80% on all of them. So, I'm going to go I, like eight and a half I get you. Like I get you on that. In terms of just like if I'm taking myself out of it as a non-MCU fan because I feel like if you went into it never seen an mcu movie you're lost like this this was i don't know it, it would it would be pretty hard to follow um there were some designs i feel like or decisions within the uh decisions by i guess the studio or whatever that are atypical which i think some people for me i found I'm I'm kind of dragging on here without trying to spoil it, but just kind of pet peeves I have with some um, things that they decided to do. So as a non MCU fan, I'd give it a I'd give it a seven and a half. But as a fanboy and kind of what it was referring to and the boldness that they decided to do, it would be a higher one. And I don't know if you want that right now. Go ahead, you can give it. Yeah. As far as the MCU where it lands, I'd say somewhere where it's eight, eight and a half. Really enjoyed it. Um, really build off the first one, kind of what you were talking about in Doctor Strange's arc, all the way from uh, Doctor Strange, the first one, uh, Infinity War, Endgame, and No Way Home. I mean, he's just there's, there's that arc within those movies as well. It's just kind of culminating in this one. 
And uh, man, I enjoyed it a lot. So I put it eight, eight and a half as an MCU fan. Was there anything though, like you didn't feel like it delivered on as much? If because I, I was just thinking about what you're saying, and one thing that I felt maybe it didn't deliver on as much as a typical MCU film is like the laughs, like the humor. Like there was some good humor in there, but definitely not as much as I was. I'm okay with kind that. of hoping it, but I mean, not they can't all be. You know, uh, Super Guardians quippy. of the Galaxy or yeah. Thor, you know, Thor uh, Ragnarok. You know, they can't all be Taika's films. So, and, and to a point, I like to have a little diversity. The fact that it was a horror film, you don't. There are some comedic elements in the movie, but the fact this is a horror film, and mm-hmm. I don't want to be suddenly taken out of it with like a stupid quip that true. Something that Joss Whedon would write or something. <laughs> Good point. Good point. All right, let's go spoilery. So the main villain, which actually was a surprise to me, I wasn't actually anticipating it being um, Scarlet Witch. It was act- yeah. I was actually planning on it being like Baron Mordo because they kind of pushed that idea that Baron Mordo was going to be the next villain of his, you know, based on what we saw in the end credits of the first film. Yeah. But to be to be honest, if you haven't seen the what ifs or WandaVision, I don't think you can fully appreciate the value of this film because so much of it is like not wholly based on, but a lot of it really is based on those uh, those shows that have happened recently in the MCU. Not to mention building off of the first Doctor Strange movie and his feelings about um, uh, what's her name, her character. Wanda Maxwell? No, 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 no. Um, Rachel McAdams's character. Uh, oh, oh my, my gosh! Gosh, I'm killing myself right now. Um, Michelle, is it Michelle? No, it's not Michelle. Anyway, we'll get back Let's to her. Let's look it up. No, keep going. We'll keep talking. So I just feel like if you haven't seen WandaVision, if you haven't seen the What Ifs. Some of the best parts of this film, like the big reveals, like, for instance, Captain Carter or for not even the John Krasinski, Mr. Fantastic, which was you're going so fast. You're going so fast. I know it's it's a huge like John Krasinski as Mr. Fantastic was just like a fan cast. Basically, I don't even know if there was even a, a lot of rumors that he was doing it. It was mostly just a fan cast like, oh, he'd be amazing. We'd want him. Um, things like WandaVision play heavily into this because of where Wanda is at this point. You know, where has she been since Infinity War? What has she been doing? Well, you need to know uh, what she's been through with having her fictional slash uh, actual kids. Uh, Christine like that. Palmer. Christine, holy F. Mm. <sighs> Feels so stupid. Anyway, I mean, I just think if you really want to appreciate it, if a fan wants to really appreciate it, they should see that stuff because it's going to make a big difference. Same goes for like Spider-Man No Way Home. If you've seen all the previous films, this is going to pay off so big. It's like putting in the work to get that huge payoff and being so satisfied. And I'm the kind of guy that I'm like, Oh, I'll work for it. I'll work for it. I'll get that payoff. Mm -hmm. So I've watched it all. And I was like, Oh, this is so nice to have even some of the animated stuff, like the what ifs pay off in this film. Did you watch the what if stuff? The homework you gave me, I ended up watching moon Knight, which I'm excited to talk about later. So I didn't watch, didn't watch what if, 
We'll catch up on um, with us another time. But um, no, you told me that, that it played an important role, but I'm glad I did catch up on the WandaVision. Um, and if we're in spoiler territory, we're talking about her as the villain. I'm with you. I didn't see that coming. And the fact that it came so early in the film, like the villain reveal, I was like, nah, this can't be right. She must be controlled by somebody else. Or there's someone pulling the strings or maybe Agatha Harkness is back or something like that. Nope, it was her the whole time. That was one thing that, like, usually when a big villain reveal or something, the trope is later on. If it's too early in the film, it's a misdirect, which it wasn't, which I'm very happy. that You know what? It's a different mold. He he stuck with it, yeah. Yeah, he stuck with it, and she – just a little criticism. uh, She sure delivered, and she was terrifying. Oh my god! I remember talking this with my friend though. He's just like, I didn't like that. And I said, I love the fact that she was a villain and she played it so well. He gave, he made a good point. He just said, "Well, I have come to like her so much in not only Wandavision but how she's come all the way from Winter Soldier to Endgame, right? Like, it was it, a, it my question to you was it a disservice to her character to make her the villain and to have her end the way she did in this scenario?" That's an excellent question, and I'm going to say no. And uh, here's why. Here's why I'm going to say no. Because in the times that we've gotten to know Wanda, including WandaVision, she has had a rough time, and she hasn't fully completed that hero arc of kind of having a downfall and then having to come up again. And this was that time when she hit her low point before she realized that she, she has to let go, and she's you know, made it. She is hurting herself through what she's done. You know, including the events of WandaVision, where she creates an entire spoiler alert. I'm going to say spoiler alert now for anybody who hasn't seen <laughs> WandaVision. I don't want to be a jerk. So if you haven't seen it, you can skip this part. Maybe ten minutes. I don't know. Um, if she creates a fictional town, or she creates like a like a metaphysical reality version of a town. With her powers, including her own family, like children that her and Vision have together, which I don't know how it's possible, but who cares? Suspension <laughs> of reality. Um, you know, and her whole shtick is that she wants her kids back. You know, after she lets all these people go and frees them all, she realizes that her kids are gone, but they were so real to her. And I feel like, yeah, we got to know her in Winter Soldier. Is that what it was? No. Well, um, she's just the end credit scene sorry, in that. Sorry, Civil War really is when we start to get to know her. Civil War. Nope. No, she's in Civil War. I mean, but that's not where she starts. She really starts in uh, Avengers Age of Ultron. Age of Ultron, sorry. Right, yeah, that's her. Yeah. We kind of get her start to being a hero, even though she's kind of a villain most of the way. And then in Civil War, she kind of has she's on her track like she's dedicated to her position as a hero she needs to do what's right she's not going to give it up then by the end of the events of of uh endgame and of infinity war she's lost a lot then we go to wandavision where she continues to lose and this is like on a downward scale and now she's hitting bottom with this film and now she has to come back up where she's like okay i need to rebuild myself as a person but at the end, I'm going to spoil it. You know, she gives herself up, basically. And basically, all these right. other iterations of herself, she's like the only one that doesn't get to have the kids, I guess. Isn't that what you got? Is that what you thought? Yeah. And 
not every other reality had them having kids or whatever, but that one in particular, she missed out on. Um, I would go far as to say like, okay, we did see her hero's journey. She was the bad guy. She learned from that. She realized Ultron is going to destroy the earth. Okay. I need to be good. And then she went through this whole, I think she did go through the hero's journey of being bad, turning good, going through remorse, losing vision. And then the fact that she kind of just redid it into the point of making her bad. I mean, they did it so well. I understand why they decided to do it, but I'm not going to go this far, but I'm going to compare it a little bit to like Han Solo. All right. Han Solo was a very selfish individual. I can compare that to Scarlet, Witch as being on Ultron's side. Uh, he, Got some heart and realized, you know what? Being a mercenary isn't the best, and they're gonna and the death, the empire is gonna blow up Alderaan and Yavin Four, right? So right. I gotta do something there. And then he starts his journey. He's always kind of that bad guy, and then he's uh, leads the the team in in generals on Endor, right? He was General Solo. General Solo, yeah, yeah, General Solo or com- Commander Solo, whatever. I can't remember. Cut to episode seven. He's a deadbeat dad and he loses. He's just fallen off already. So it's like, so it, it almost cheapens his journey from episodes four to six. And now he's just gone back to the old life that he has. And like, it's like a character assassination in a sense. That's an extreme example. I'm just saying it's kind of taste no, it's of a, that. It's, it's applicable though. It's applicable because you're right. So. You know, she kind of is, is cyclical in her, her being evil and then turning good and then evil and then turning good. It's almost like anti-hero ish, you know, she was an Avenger for a little bit. Then she kind of wasn't for a little bit. And then she helped out for a little bit and then kind of went off the grid again. You know, she's kind yeah. of like going back and forth kind of crossing that line between hero and villain kind of constantly now that I really look at it. And I mean, I get it. You know, she has a lot to lose. Is it cheapening it or is it just like, Oh no, that's human nature. We're never just going to be fully complete from our, Oh, we had a hero's journey. Now we're going to be stuck at that. Maybe or, this, and is it's this, just like it's, this. We're maybe humans. this is we're like the typecast role that. for her. Like maybe this is like the typecast role. Like she's the one Avenger that kind of gets to play both sides, apart from other ones who are pretty much just good. They're willing to make the sacrifice every time. They're okay making it because they have chosen it. And she is the one that feels cheated every time she has a win and it gets taken from her. You know, like she Peter has Parker. A line like that. She has a line. Yeah. Like, yeah. Steven, like you break the rules and you're a hero. I break the rules and, and I'm, I'm the villain. Monster. Yeah, I'm a monster. Yeah, that's what she says. I'm a monster. Okay. So but, hold on one second. Yeah. One second. It's funny. I think everybody or every superhero team has like a black sheet that's like that. But maybe that's like what makes this. Sorry, sorry. 
my wife no, you're good. And she's folding she listened to the whole conversation and she's just like got these big eyes like i have so much i want to say and i thought it was something concerning <laughs> our children or something and it was more like no it's not the same thing as Han solo there's a feminist aspect of motherhood that's so important and i made that argument about comparing it to han solo as the devil's advocate i really did because I don't think it's the same thing. I just, I can see why like a friend of mine says I didn't like it because I came to really like Wanda and the fact that they ruined it kind of ruined my, you know, kind of emotional journey that I had with it. I'm just saying that as a devil's advocate, I thought it was brave and bold to do what they did with her. And I, I bought into it and I thought it was great. The ending, however, do you like it when villains, in the moment, they turn good, and then they sacrifice to kill themselves to, I guess we can think of a number of examples, right? Darth Vader. I think in, in this regard, it, it works either way. Like, if she had survived, it, it would have been okay, I suppose. It, they just uh, would have had to write it the right way, but... I was going to say, did she need to sacrifice herself? But you already answered Did she that. need like, to? Did she need to? I don't to? know, maybe. I mean, maybe. She, was, she was straight up murdering people, so maybe... I mean, she saw herself as the problem, and yeah. she's like, if I remove myself from the equation, then there won't be a problem anymore, which is in itself like a terribly selfish thing to do with all the good that she could do with her power. It's it's almost a waste in a way, but I understand her reasoning for it. But in, a, in terms of writing, I think it works really well this way. You could have done it the other way, where she found a way to work it out, and, and it would have been hard to, fix to come herself. back from what she was was doing there. And so, <sighs> I think and, maybe and this was the better play, though. Yeah, I do think that sometimes I'm just I, I, I'm thinking of the other examples where it's kind of like, is it cheapening the hero's triumph by the villain turning and then committing suicide? Not committing suicide, but sacrificing himself. Let me give you some examples. I just didn't really buy into Icarus in the Eternals. He probably could have, I don't know, he was in the Unimind or whatever it was, and then he got really guilty and sad, and then he flew too close to the sun. Gosh, so I he don't was, like that movie so much. <laughs> so he wasn't conquered. He wasn't overcome. He He's like, I'm going to go sacrifice myself because I can't live with Because I'm a loser. That's what he is doing. Because I'm like, a loser. Yeah. I'm a loser. I didn't like that. A few a few steps above that, um, because did he really have like that moment of clarity or coming to good? Like, I mean, we Not talked really. about it. I Not guess really. we talked. We talked about he it was earlier. Just like, I'm an idiot. What I've done is stupid. Now what do I do? Well, I'm just gonna kill myself. You know, it was like, yeah, it was more of okay. a cowardice. Wasn't a cow. It was a cowardice. Like I can't fight. I can't face Erishem. Uh, I don't want to be a part of this. Uh, same thing with Kingo. I felt like I can't believe that he didn't participate anyway. He's uh, well, kind um, of a wuss, yeah. Gosh, but it's not on the same scales. It's not on the same scales as like no. Darth, Darth Vader, right? Darth Vader sacrifices himself, throws the Emperor off, he comes good. He sacrifices himself to sacrifice his son. It wasn't yeah, but, like but he his journey was more like one to one. You know, it wasn't like I'm gonna jump rope that line a thousand times. He's like, I'm I'm Anakin. Then I, 
you know, then I, I at the yeah. I betray and then I'm Darth Vader for the most of the part, and then I make my final redemption when it matters the most. You know, and as, I, as I'm saying it out loud, I'm some people might be listening to this, but like, wait, wait, Sean. But like Luke's goal wasn't to like destroy Darth Vader. It was his it, it was his goal to get his father. dad back. Yeah. Yeah. And so in the end he got that. And so he did. Thank you for talking me through that, uh, Dr. Stephen Pugh. I appreciate that. <laughs> you you walked me through that. And the other example I have was like Spider-Man 2 with Doc Ock, you know, after he realizes, oh, and then he has to pull down Sam Raimi trope right there. It's a Sam yeah. Raimi trope. And he has that moment of like, I got to save the city. Not like Icarus, I'm going to just do this because I have to, <laughs> I will live in shame. He was the only one that could do that. So anyway, the whole point of I'm saying that is Wanda realizes her error and she kills. She sacrifices herself and in the process destroys all the dark holds in all the universes. Well, in a way, I'm I'm glad they picked her as a villain because I felt like she was formidable enough to really be a, a true threat. And oh my I, goodness, she was. And oh, yeah. I don't I don't know that anybody else would have been an appropriate villain except her just because of how they've been telling her story. And because of WandaVision, I was like, this just makes sense to use her as the next villain because – you know, you and I as parents understand her her feelings and what it would be like to be in her shoes. So a lot of this makes sense and makes sense as a as a viewer of like I am I'm a, I'm both involved on Doctor Strange's side and on her side, and I can understand both sides. That's what makes this such a gripping story because yeah. I can't help but want both of them to win, and you can't. And it it just kind of makes sense. But let's move to Doctor Strange. How do you think? He progressed in the movie, and he he panned out in the movie. I was really, really worried. I'm going to be honest, Stephen. When I saw America Chavez pop up, and I want to tread lightly with what I'm about to say, but I think there's this uh, fad, this trend that's going mm-hmm. on in Hollywood. There's a bait and switch where we get sucked in with these properties that we love and establish, especially uh, males predominantly white males um, are leaning into this. You know, a good example is the Halo series um, where this is established property. You know, we know uh, Master Chief and in this case, we know Doctor Strange. And I'm like, is this going to be an America Chavez movie? Because like, I don't want to come up here and tirade be like, how dare she? And especially that she's wearing that LGBTQ pin or whatever her parents, I'm not, none of that. Like I had no problem with that at all. And I thought it was very organic and very well done. And it added to her character in no way was it preachy, but I was so worried. I'm like, Oh no, this is not going to be a Dr. Strange film. This is going to mm-hmm. be an America Chavez film. He's not even going to be the headliner. But they didn't do it. They they didn't make that bait and switch. And I was I was glad she was integral to the story, but not like not the headliner. But didn't replace Doctor Strange exactly. Like and, in the end, I guess she found that that I always have a problem with. Like just in movies where it's like, no, you can do it, and then all of a sudden they know how to do their power or whatever. That kind of happened at the end. 
Joe's kind of like, oh, well, he okay. had to like, he did have to like coach her and be like, every place you've taken us to, it makes sense because you have put us here for in each of these places for a reason. And it's, you know, she had to make the connection so that it, it would form her like, I did, I did do that. You're right. But like, it was I rather think, quick. It, it was, sure. Yeah. But and the so thing about I, her character, though, is like, I felt what? like <laughs> Doctor Strange coming from like No Way Home. Because he's been dealing with Peter Parker, he understands – he's like dealing with kids. You know, This is like his thing. He's like, I've already had to deal with one teenager, and it almost makes sense that he has to do it again with another one and like taking care of these kids and like helping them figure out what's going on. Not mm-hmm. He isn't just a good person. He's not just a doctor, but he, he cares about people. So it was – it made sense that he had to help this girl get through her whatever she's going through and, and right. protecting her. So part of that story made sense to me. But I felt like, yeah, he – Doctor Strange was still the headliner of the story, and he still made his mark. Yeah, for sure. He was the headliner of the story. It was his film. Uh, if anything, like I love how they devoted so much time to Wanda's character. And like the more you develop and – put time into your villain just the more believable and intriguing and understandable believable whatever you want to call it that you almost root for them a little bit as you were talking about earlier and so that was good america chavez i'm glad she was not replacing dr strange in this i got a little worried but he didn't she did not and um he took a little few steps himself and kind of uh, growing as well, but still had those classic arrogant moves of Doctor Strange. Um, but man, he delivered. I, I love Benedict Cumberbatch in this role. I mean, they really wanted him or Joaquin Phoenix. I don't know if they could have gone wrong either way, but in the end, I think they got the better guy. I think they nailed they nailed the character for that one. Did you feel like any of the magic that he actually did or the sorcery he did was hokey in any way? Or did it make sense for his character? I mean, it, it's you suspend belief by going into something about the guy who's the master of the dark master. Well, I guess he is not um, Sorcerer Supreme anymore. But it's all about magic, so you got to suspend reality a little bit. But at the end, my goodness, when it was uh, dead, Doctor Strange, dude, that was he, creepy. That was creepy. That was insane. That was some good body uh, prosthetics and makeup. Um, that was very impressive, and his his cape was the souls <laughs> that he it was a somehow trip. tamed or whatever. So visually speaking, it was great. Um, that match your, I find. Well, how about your favorite reveal? What about your favorite reveal? Well, Wanda being the villain that early, I was like, "What?" Ah, no, and then it still went out. Okay, that was a great villain. I don't remember an mcu having quite a betrayal like that um uh, of course everyone's gonna talk about the illuminati and uh, eight eight nine eight reality or whatever they were in is that what have, it was eight nine eight or eight six eight can't remember um but you got mordo you got maria rambo as captain marvel you've got peggy carter as Captain Britain? I don't know. What is her Captain character? Carter. Captain Carter. Um, Charles Xavier in the yellow. 
hover wheelchair. I don't, and then, <laughs> then Jim Halpert, John Krasinski. My goodness. You got Reed Richards coming in. I was just like, it was amazing. Like, I think I may have held your hand. I'm sorry if I scored you, <laughs> scored you too tight, but I was just like, are you kidding me? Uh, but most of my question, do you think this was just a one-time thing or do you think he's going to be Reed Richards? Oh, I think he's Reed Richards. I don't, Yeah. I don't think they would spend as much money. Like even the smaller characters, they have like, and I'm going to spoil it here. I just got like rumors or heard news that like Charlie Cox, who played Daredevil on the uh, Netflix series, he's coming back. He's coming to Disney Plus. His character is getting uh, another season. It's like from the same timeline. Like they don't just dispose of characters and recast them. They won't recast people if they don't have to. And I think this is one time where they're like, we've got. We've got John Krasinski. I mean, the guy's the guy's top notch. Right. He's done some incredible stuff, and he's so well liked. He really is. I mean, him and his wife are both fantastic actors and actresses. So it's like, why why would they dispose of somebody like that as a one timer? I mean, come on. You got Charles Xavier. You got um, uh, uh, Patrick Stewart. You know, the guy. He's always been. He's always been Charles Xavier, so right. I I just don't see them getting rid of him like that. And I think this is their well, I hope finally, you know, introduction to the X Men coming to the MCU, which is awesome. I know it's crazy. And then you had that music from the card. Oh, I know. It was great. My inner child was going like crazy. I was like, it's like I can't believe I did that. I was so happy inside. I could have cried. So so happy. I did not care for Maria Rambo as uh, Captain Marvel, though. I'm sorry, but I just, I, I just Canon didn't care wise, for it. Canon wise, that fits the bill, right? She was Captain Marvel before Carol Danvers ever was. Is that true? I I'm don't pretty remember. sure. I'm pretty sure, like in the 70s, uh, Maria Rambo, African American woman, she was Captain Marvel prior to the first Captain Marvel was Marvel. But I'm right. pretty sure she was. So it was in line with it. I'm fine with the her, I guess you could say. Um, another big reveal, <laughs> how she just went through them so quickly. You know, you have some sort of respect. Okay, these are top-notch actors. These are their Avengers slash Illuminati. You know, your, your main characters can't die. Nope. She comes in. Scarlet Witch wants that America Chavez. She unspindles John Krasinski and Reed Richards like a Twizzler. Like, oh my gosh, so graphic. You're like, oh my gosh. Uh, or Black she, Bolt. I mean, that oh was like. Oh my gosh, Black Bolt. She gets his mouth shut and so he just goes, and then he just crushes blows his head. Up inside because, his head. Oh my gosh. She cuts Captain Carter in two. She drops a statue on Captain Marvel. She snaps Charles Xavier's neck. And this is all within seven, eight minutes. And you're like, oh, my gosh. You want to talk about who's the strongest Avenger? I mean, yeah. Scarlet, Scarlet Witch may have it. Yeah. And more, yeah. And uh, and I believed it. And I believed it through I believe and it through. more now. Yeah. So that was a huge reveal. And the way she just dispensed with him was just like, okay, we are going there. Brutal we and vicious. We are for sure going there. 
So what were uh, same reveals for you, or did I miss one that you you cared for more or want to go and talk about more? No, I did like seeing the there were like several versions of Doctor Strange that we kind of got to see over the course of the film from different realities. You know, we saw the one that he used and leveraged as Dead Strange uh, later in the film, or actually at the beginning of the film, then later in the film, you know, buries him, uses him again later. Um, then we get our normal Doctor Strange. Then we also meet. The Illuminati's Doctor Strange, and each of them are kind of a little bit different. You know, they're in different colors. They're a little bit different hairstyles. You know, they're. It was kind of cool to see each generation, but also to see that what makes his Doctor Strange different than all of those? Wouldn't they have made the same mistakes? What makes that one so special? You know what I mean? I don't know. And it was cool to see kind of a little window into that uh, realities, uh, Illuminati's world, 868, I can't remember. But correct me if I'm wrong. So Black Bolt had to kill him because yeah. in fighting Thanos, he was dreamwalking in order to find out how to beat him. And in doing so, created an incursion that killed one or destroyed one reality. And I'm understanding that correctly, right? Yeah. Okay. Just making sure. Um, and so the whole concept of dreamwalking, where if you ever have dreams and you're falling, falling naked or being chased by clowns, that is somebody of your same, you know, persona, just in a different reality. is hilarious mm-hmm. to me. It was crazy. And I missed one. We even had the one from that, like, dark reality that he fights with musical notes. Right. Oh, yes. That yeah. was trippy. So trippy. But it's such a beautiful film at the same time. Like, who knew you could, like, make something so unsettling, so incredibly difficult to not watch? You're like, I can't, I can't not watch what's happening, but it's almost disgusting and terrifying right. at the same time, right? But that's Sam Raimi. Like, Sam Raimi. <laughs> and he kicked him out of the window and spewed, uh, speared on the fence, much like, uh, Saruman and Two Towers. Yes, this is true. I was like, I got that same image. I was like, man, yeah. that always happens. People should just stop falling out of windows. I mean, there's That's a right. there's an impaling hazard every time. Where do these uh, fences a, even come from? A great reveal, of course, was uh, Bruce Campbell. We love mm-hmm. Bruce Campbell, of course. And I didn't realize this at the time, but the the the, the curse that he gives that Strange gives Bruce Campbell was like he possessed his hand, and I'm like. That sounds familiar. And then you go back to Evil Dead, his hand right. is possessed and he has to cut it off. It's not like 48 hours his hand is possessed. Oh my so gosh. I, like, I didn't get that reference until I saw it in a review. And I was like, that's I'm perfect. only making that connection now since you mentioned yeah. it. I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm so stupid. How did I miss that? It was, but, that was fantastic. So love but yeah. that. But overall, I mean, like, there was plenty to like and. Um, yeah, I mean, I'll definitely watch it again. I don't know if I can make the time to go see it again. There's just like too much happening in life. But yeah. um, it was it was super, super fun and interesting to watch altogether. I felt like it had a good story and there was lots to, to enjoy about it. But I think what it's was the mid credit scene. Sorry, what was uh, the mid credit scene? The end end scene is Bruce Campbell like, oh, it's over. But the, the mid credit scene, what was it? Oh, it was Charlize Theron's character. Oh my gosh! And he has the eye. 
Tara? Ta- what's her name? That's right. And like she's the Sorcerer's Supreme in the Dark Dimension. Um, Charlize Theron. Uh, I'm not familiar with her character. Clea. I haven't. I just I I watched something. She's Clea. Uh, she's like a huge love interest with Doctor Strange in the comics. She's the Sorcerer Supreme in the Dark Dimension. And so I, I don't know if we're going to go back to that and see more Dormammu, <laughs> not more Madu, uh, or if, if Satan's going to show up. Um, but anyway, that should be that should be fun to see the fact that she just cuts into reality and they step in. And, but yeah, did we did we hit everything we wanted to talk about uh, with Doctor Strange? I mean, I think so. Yeah, I think that covers Mr. Strange. Okay. All right. Let's quickly run through some of the trailer reveals. I I just saw these. Like I didn't see that. I've seen obviously the Kenobi's. I didn't see Mission Impossible until well, that just came today. It was today. Yeah. And the Thor one just dropped, right? Yep, another Thor trailer just dropped. So I've seen She-Hulk and Kenobi. <laughs> so if you want, I don't know, can we do a live reaction? I don't know. Um, yeah, I don't Video. see why not. I might even be able to put it on screen. Which one haven't you seen? Was it the... I haven't seen Mission Impossible, and I haven't seen Thor before the new one. Let's see if I can get us to watch one of these... Um, live. Work your magic. I'm sure people have made hundreds and thousands of dollars of doing trailer review videos. Let's see if we can't make a little magic happen. All right, let me know when you can see my screen. I can see it. All right, let's do this. Let's take a look at... Dead. I don't know if you'll be able to hear it, but we'll we'll give it a try. Uh oh. Okay. Let me know if you can hear it. Is it making it? sound? Yeah. No, I can't hear it. Let's see. I can hear it, but you can't hear it. Um. Turn the volume down here. Does it have to be with... Do you have to go to the settings and share sound or something? Let me try. Let me try something. Um... We can edit all this out. We could just right. pause. Why don't pause you it. play it at the same time that I am? And I'm just going to watch it at the same time you are. Can you do that? You can mute yourself and then like watch it on your phone the same time I am. So I'll mute myself. Just let me know when you're playing or when you start.
Are you playing? Let me know when you hit play. You're still muted. <laughs> we'll edit all this out. Okay, are you playing it right now? Okay, what is this the two minutes sixty two twenty four? Two twenty five. That's what I have, two twenty five. Come on, Sean. See, there it is. Okay, I got the. Okay, ready and go. Hold on. I'm still in the. What do you call it? Ads. The ads. Okay, go. There's always a train. <laughs> and a motorcycle. All right, what'd you think? Is there more? There's like 20 seconds left. Did I miss something? No, I don't think so. Well, the one that I have just has like like a credit. Well, that's a shame we couldn't talk, big man, because I wanted to say so much. But okay, I'll go. Um, the guy talking right there at the beginning, he is from the first MI Mission Impossible movie, so that's cool that they're bringing him back. Oh my gosh, um, I totally forgot about that. That's right. I, I mean, I, I I can't remember his name. I don't know the actor's name or the character's name, but I definitely recognize him. That's awesome. Mm -hmm. Um. So much like they're bringing, of course, Rebecca Ferguson is coming back. Yep. Um, his 
Is, is that his wife? His wife's in that too? No. Is she the it, one in the yellow car with him? I mean, Rebecca Ferguson is like his his new love interest. Like his 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 love interest like cuz his wife is with somebody his former wife was, is like with somebody else. Now. Yeah. And I don't know. Have you followed the Mission Impossible movies very closely over the years? I love it. It is I'm God, actually a really big fan of the Mission Impossible films, and they except for number better. two. <laughs> I, I'm with you. The John Woo one is awful. Oh, it's a, it's a, it's a cringer. That's what I, that's what I call reckoning. it. Okay, here we go. Dead Reckoning. Part one. That's right. It said part one. Mm-hmm. I'm actually like a really big fan of the Mission Impossible films, and I felt like, apart from number two, they have gotten progressively better every time they've done one and i just feel like this they just keep getting better and every time i see a trailer i'm like i'm already hyped you have me i don't yeah. know what they do i don't know how they do it but they they seem to outdo themselves every time and i'm like I, they, they tom cruise has got the magic sauce i don't know what he he's does. doing he there's so many cool things in that and i'll go over it here um yeah, so Rebecca Ferguson, his new love interest, Vanessa Kirby, she's the uh, broker from the last one. She's yep. she's really good. She's in it. And then Captain Carter, Haley Atwell was in there. I was like, whoa, that's awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, the Palm Clementioff, she plays Mantis, and she's in it. Mm-hmm. Uh, Henry... Cerny is Eugene Kittredge. He's the guy from the first one who's talking. Yeah, I don't see his uh, his wife in that. Oh, Carrie Ellis is in it. The Man in Black. Oh, I knew it. That's awesome. I knew I recognized him. There's actually another person in here that you may not recognize, but I do from Titans season two, which is um, S.A. It's S.A. Morales. He plays Deathstroke in uh, oh. in Titans. He's he's really he really good as Deathstroke, and I didn't recognize him the first time I watched it, but you know he's excellent. So, but yeah, we could uh, we could talk for hours about how the Mission Impossible movies have just gotten better. You're right, John Woo kind of botched number two, even though they made so much money enough to greenlight a, a third one. <sighs> But I remember watching that third one in high school. I was dating this girl. I really, really liked her. And we went to that. And uh, she broke up with me like a couple weeks later. But that's a different time. That's one of my biggest memories. But I, I love uh, Mission Impossible 3. One, three, four, five, six. They, they're just so good. They just are getting better. But didn't you get like that last scene, the motorcycle off the cliff with the parachute? That's like Goldeneye, right? That's like it just screams Goldeneye. Yeah, well, there are a lot of things in here that are like <laughs> I don't want to say cliche because the Mission Impossible films practically wrote the book on a lot of the stuff sure. that is is done in here. But like Tom Cruise running, you have the train <laughs> that's like straight out of the first movie. Then you have motorcycles, which is out of like the fifth movie, out of uh, Rogue Nation. Then you have stuff like typical car chases. It's like the stuff from Bourne films, you know, but it's kind of also from uh, Mission Impossible. But a lot of this is just like, they always take you to exotic places. They take you to crazy fight scenes. They take you to like heart pounding, you know, just scenes where they're, they're, I don't know. Like, where do they come up with this shiz? I don't know, but Tom Cruise is 59 turning 60 in July. Like 
How, yes. how much longer can you do this? Um, he's Tom Cruise. He's timeless. You know, he can he yeah. can go as long as long as it takes. <laughs> I mean, What's look at him. Guy? Right? <laughs> yeah, that's true. What's the guy's name in uh, L. Ron Hubbard? The Scientology guy. Maybe he's he's very much invested in Tom Cruise living forever. He's given him the elixir of life, probably. <laughs> you know, it's like what he's doing. I don't know. And, and but, I'm sure you don't want to waste too much time on this. But do you think once he wants to hang it up, that Mission Impossible will go to somebody else? That it will be no. a, it'll be America's James Bond. I think it'll be done. That's really? my opinion. I think he's. This is like his legacy. He kind of like owns the property almost in a way. Like this oh, is yeah, his thing. Sure. And you he's know, like executive producer on all the last three of them. I'm pretty sure. And I think when Tom Cruise says something's over, it's over. You know, he's almost like Nick Cage. He's like, no, I'm done. You know, when he's done, he's done. Have you heard stuff that like I guess Dead Reckoning? No. I haven't heard anything. I I mean, when I heard that this was coming, like that they were doing two more, at least two more, I was like, well, you know, I could see that. But anything after that, I don't know. That's that's really a big question mark. Like, how long will will he last? You know, does he have what it takes to keep going after that point? I mean, this is like you have next year is when this is happening. He'll be 60. And then after that, you know, maybe another two years for the next film. So he'd be like 62 or whatever. I'm sure they're you filming know. it right now. So <laughs> probably. But wow. Uh, OK. I don't know. What's the next Good one? Though. Thor, right? We got to watch Thor. All right. Let's look up. Thor. All right. And let's see. Which one should we watch? Two hours ago. I am going to watch the one from Kino Check. All right, I'm on that too. I'll mute. Skipping my ad. Okay, here we go.
Oh my gosh. What? Oh man. All right. Let's be honest. Is this a bait and switch? Is this Natalie Portman's? Is this she Thor's moment and he's going to take a back seat? No, I think this is more like buddy cop territory where they have to go on a journey together. And this is like them coming back to like, oh, you've changed so much. I've changed so much. Oh, we're we're in different places. Can we still be together? And then they have to fight a villain, too. I think it'll be fun either way. So, it's a Taika film. So I, I wonder. So like. Um, Valkyrie is going to play a big role and like I'm pretty sure they're going to find her a love interest and she's going to be like the first main character openly gay. Do you think it's Natalie Portman? Or I do don't. you think it'll be somebody else? No, I think they're they're going to play this one straightforward. I don't think I don't think she's going to be she's not going to be gay. I think that she'll I think they'll try and play this one straight because it's a love story. And I think, or at least that's my interpretation of like what I think it'll be, that they're going to try and play this as the love story. And they're going to make it a, a funny, almost like a rom-com superhero where he's right. he's the lovable, he's the lovable goof who needs to figure out who he is. And she's the stalwart. I'm I've got I figured out who I am and I don't need him. And they kind of realize that they kind of need each other in a way. And they're kind of in the same path, you know. That's that's. You think like they'll end up back it. together? I want to say yes, but I feel like there's a tragic ending to this one. I just feel it in my gut, but I don't really, I don't know. I mean, it, it, it's a toss-up. I don't know. Like, what do you think? Do you think this is? Uh, no. Like, what's your interpretation? I mean, I, I'm a, I'm a little skeptic. Just kind of Natalie Portman's track record, not really wanting to be part of the projects. Thinking, you know, very upfront about the lack of diversity, not only in the MCU, but in all of Hollywood. And I think they kind of like baited her with like, oh, no, well, you'll actually get this, you know, she Thor. And I don't know if it's the, that's why I'm a little worried. That's why I asked the question. I don't know if Thor is going to take a backseat to his own movie. I'm fine with like you know, people listening to this like, oh, you're just an angry white man. Like, no. If they want to have her own movie, that's great. But don't have her own movie in at the expense of, of it being Thor. under Thor's name, right? Yeah, and I think a lot of people and Hollywood does that. They just don't trust the audience. They don't think, oh, they'll go see a female-led movie unless it's a tied to the coattails of something else. But have faith in your property. I digress a little bit. I think. I'm a little skeptical going into this one thinking that she is going to redeem him and he might be a bumbling fool and not see some more growth from Thor, even though we've seen him in, I don't know, seven, eight movies almost. Like, I was kind of surprised when they announced a Thor 4, but I love Taika Waititi. I love kind of, you know, Chris Hemsworth and his comedic timing. So, I'll go see it for sure. I just didn't know if we needed we needed it. No doubt. I mean, I'm going to see it for sure. Like, we, you and I are definitely going to go see this one together because it'll be funny. But uh, let's see, Love July Tiger. 8th. Oh, man, the guy's a genius. Have you watched um, – did you ever see 
Jojo Rabbit. I haven't seen Jojo Rabbit. I've seen Hunt for the Wilder People, and I saw What We Do in the Shadows, and loved <laughs> that whole. What We um, Do in the Shadows is such a funny show. I I watched the first few episodes of that show. And it was good. It's oh my gosh, the dark show. Oh my gosh, that show is so crass in so many ways, but it is it's worth a watch. But yeah, I'm with you though. Spoilers. To anything, Taika. I like the TV show. I don't know if I've ever laughed that hard when uh, one of the vampires kills three dozen raccoons and piles it on top of that girl's <laughs> porch. I've never laughed so hard. And uh, oh, he's not even up- the funny one. I like the guy that's the emotional vampire that he. He just like walks through his office place and just sucks away that's their energy. Oh my gosh, it's so funny. It's great too. He's a daywalker. Call, anyway, Colin Robinson. Colin Robinson. And then he meets his girl equivalent, and they're just always. She's the one like, "Well, my cat died today, and I don't know if I'll be able to get a new one." And then my mother just <laughs> and just like everyone is just sapped with energy. Oh, so that's a that's that's a good one. And then yeah, the last one like is, the, is the She-Hulk trailer. I have seen that. So what did you think? Um, I'm really excited for it. Um, really? I'm I'm not like super familiar with um, Tatiana Maslany. Uh, my sister is like because she comes from a show called Orphan Black, apparently, which is really really good. Like the series is very very. Um, it's really well liked, um, very well done apparently, and it's got a, a a really good story. I'm not familiar with her, but she seems like a good pick for the role of of um, Jennifer Walters. So I'm I'm excited to see it. I think there's a lot they can do with it. The only trouble with a show like this is it requires a lot of CG, and when you have a TV show with a lot of CG, it can get you can kind of get lost in it. Instead of feeling like it's real, it can be kind of it's surreal. Like so, it doesn't feel like your the show is very grounded when you have too much CG. But I mean, things like uh, Eternals and Shang Chi. I mean, they they lived off of it. So do things like Thor, Ragnarok, or Guardians of the Galaxy. They live off of it. But those are such a high level that you can't tell the difference. Here, you're mixing a lot of of practical with CG, and I feel like that might be a problem for the show. Yeah, even that's, with that's the, my uh, worry. Even with the trailer, there was that uncanny valley where I was like, ah, I don't know about that. With her face like a dinner and swiping through the Tinder things or whatever. <laughs> um, I I'm a, I think it's I don't know maybe if I have some time it it doesn't really. Is Blonsky going to be the villain? I don't, or is or or is misogyny going to be the villain? Like, I I don't know what. I feel like it's gonna, too early to tell. Actually, maybe there'll be a second trailer and we'll find out. But that's kind of cool that they're bringing Bruce Banner back, and with all the Universal rights, apparently, like having a solo film or project has to go through Universal. But if he's like a, but if he's paired with somebody. It can be fine. So it's a weird, interesting in the universal um, agreement or whatever. But 
you know, maybe I'm not I'll- sure how they did it. I have no idea how they got how they got this through the woodwork, you know, like you said, with the rights and everything. But apparently it works. But I'd like to see I, I mean, I when I talked when we talked last, like I thought it was so cool to see Blonsky again mm-hmm. and Abomination. I thought that was so cool. And now the fact that we see him in his regular form and also just a little bit of abomination. Maybe we'll see him come back and fight some more. We'll see. I don't know, but it could be fun. Anyway. I do uh, feel like though, that she is being pretty sexualized in the media. And that's one problem that you have is like, you can like sexualize a man on in a trailer and nobody skips a beat. But like as soon as you have a female character that looks like she does and then transforms into something even more prettier, like they like they hype and or they hyperize or whatever they hypersexualize hypersexualize those features of a woman, you know, is that going to do a disservice to the show and how much backlash will it inevitably cause? Are you saying like real media? Like, it wasn't how are women going to react to this show versus men? You know, men are like over here just reveling in their in their seats, you know, at home in sweatpants while you have women who are going to be like, what are you watching? Why are you watching this? You know, it's like I mean, even in the even in the even in the trailer, that woman's like, and your butt looks great or something like that. So I, I, I don't know. <laughs> Seven foot green women might not do it for me <laughs> so i don't know i just don't know how it's gonna play out i mean like hawkeye got away with having you know um the heroine be like a young um mid-20s woman and it not be that way she's almost boyish in a way um kate what's her name kate uh i didn't see it but it's uh what's her name she's great she's great it's killing yeah she is great but um, you know that didn't really happen at all. Kate Bishop, that's her name. With um, yep, I'm blanking on her name right now too. But uh, you know, I felt like she did a great job, and and nothing really came of that. But like here, it's like a topic of discussion already. But who knows? I mean. Maybe nothing will come with it, but I just thought it was an interesting anecdote that I'm already seeing like discussions and articles of like she's too sexualized and they made her too hot for television or something like that. Or there's yeah, just like of course that's gonna happen. People uh, everywhere. Haley Steinfeld. That's it. That's it. Um, uh, yeah. Are yeah. you are you a Stranger Things person? Have you? Uh, been I up stopped in episode two. My wife isn't really a scary movie, scary show kind of person. That's like her threshold. So we kind of stopped um, and we haven't revisited it. But I want to. She said she'd be willing to try it again. But You should. And here's why. Of the scariest things that I've ever seen, this is low on the totem pole. I'm fine. I love scary. Like, let's go see Conjuring, but. I'm not really like a scary movie person, but like this isn't even this is like this is very creepy territory, not really scary. There are some jumpy moments 
but nothing like you're going to see in a typical horror film. It's not typical horror film territory. This is like creepy territory, but you actually have a lot of characters that you like really give a crap about, you know, these characters, like they're excellent, you know, and they have excellent stories and it's set in the eighties, which is like, you know, my era of when I, when I was born, I grew up. Well, I didn't have my coming of age years during that time, but whatever, who gives a shit? Um, you know, and the story is just excellent. And all three of the seasons that we've had so far have all been great. Someone to argue with me on that, but I don't care. The no, first and second seasons great. are great. So I definitely I think, think I watched if, up too. It was great. If you're not going to watch it with your wife, do give it a try by yourself. It's definitely worth the watch because it's just so interesting. And there are just so many mysteries about it that you're like, well, how does this happen? Or how does, how does this work? Or why, how did they get here? You know, all yeah. this, you know, that raises questions and not in a horror way, more of like a science fiction-y, creepy way. If I had to put a level of like scariness to it, I mean, um, I'd probably put it on the same level as like even Doctor Strange, like we've been talking about today. It's really not all that scary it's more just like creepy and like sometimes it's gross it's not gore gross it's mostly just just gross sure but it's real good it'll have you hooked that's for sure but yeah stranger things yeah gotta watch that gotta spend some time there we i mean amongst all the other things that i've there's so many what about kenobi i'm excited for it um but I saw an article today or was it the other day that was like, is this like, is Star Wars universe starting to collapse at this point with all the stuff that they've done? Or is, you know, are we, are they kicking a dead horse or is this, are they, are they, are they towing the line? You want me to answer that? I do. (laughs) Well, I hated seven, eight, nine, and I think they aged terribly. Like I loved seven at the time. I think I saw it five times in the theaters, but as I revisited it, watched some YouTube videos, let it linger, let it simmer, let it marinate. I did not like this. And then eight was just awful. And nine, I couldn't tell you really what happened. I mean, I saw it, but it just one ear out the other. And I can't really remember too much about it. Rogue one, however, that's a proper prequel movie that was amazing. Uh, the Mandalorian, very, very good. And very impressed with that. <laughs> Haven't seen jo- uh, uh, Boba Fett, the book of Boba Fett. But um, I think this is what people wanted to see. Wanted to see what's going on with Obi-Wan Kenobi from the Revenge of the Sith to the time that Luke comes of age on Tatooine. Like, this would be a proper time. And the fact that actual time has elapsed you know 16 years from the end of um the the revenge of the sith came out like that would make sense right and so i am worried again people are gonna be like oh this guy just goes off and on again but there is that bait and switch i mean hawkeye was a bait and switch right like hawkeye really wasn't the star of his own show it was it was kate bishop um in a way there was a bait and switch with Ray and Luke. Like, of course I'm for Ray. Have Ray be a, a, a well 
written character, which of course she wasn't. She was not interesting. She was not worth investing time in. But like it was at the expense of Luke. And that's what I hate the most. And I mentioned it earlier, like Hollywood is doing this all the time. They did it with the Paramount Plus Halo series where Master Chief isn't the star of his own show. It's this orphan minority girl that teaches him on how to really be a a, a Master Chief. Um, The He-Man animated series on Netflix, He-Man dies in episode one. And She-Ra, it's actually He-Man is what it's called, but the whole whole series is She-Ra. So this is happening all throughout it at the expense of these male characters that we grew up and love. And it looks like they're just sacrificing, falling on the sword just to try and get these to prove a point. They're okay to ruin these properties just to prove a point. And I, I literally had this conversation with my wife. I'm like, with someone as Obi-Wan Kenobi, the lore, the significance, the prominence, just the history of going back to Alec Guinness in 1977, like how important he is in the zeitgeist of entertainment. Would they put him on the altering block, alter whatever, you, to sacrifice him in the name of promoting? On the chopping block. On the chopping block on the altar of trying to have for equality. And I sure, like, you know that that I don't know the actress's name, I don't know the character she is, but the African-American lady who's got the red lightsaber i hope she's the antagonist the main antagonist she's not going to replace obi-wan kenobi because like if we if it if it comes to find out that like obviously we want to have characters that have warts and have flaws but like character assassination is the name of the game like luke is not luke in episode eight han solo is not han solo in episode seven so if they character assassinate Obi-Wan, I'm just – I don't know if I watch more Star Wars. I'm nervous. I am really nervous. That was my rant. What do you say in response? I I agree with a lot of what you're saying because I've, I felt like Force Awakens was actually good. I felt like they had something to start with, but they totally kind of just killed it. They They killed – off what they had going no, in, the, in, no, the, in the momentum. They subverted I felt like they, expectations, Steven. Well, Remember oh, that. <laughs> you're right. You're right. They took what they took what I believed was going to be good, and then they they turned it on itself. Yeah. Uh, and thanks, Ryan Johnson. And I was, you know, what we were all expecting with with Episode Eight was Luke's return to to help do do right and have a good explanation for what he's been doing, and then they just made him a grump. And I was like, okay, you have just destroyed something, you know, very inter, you know, very precious special. to most of us, you know, yeah. and you've kind of that's ruined why. It. That's why that moment in the Mandalorian when he shows up and kills those like those. Droids. I can't remember death droids or whatever. The very high tech one. Mm-hmm. I watched those like video reviews. Grown men crying when Luke is going through that spaceship, destroying those droids, making his way to Grogu. Like this is what men, we should have had all along. Grown men in tears because that's how much this character means to them. And what they got with Episode Seven is a travesty. And Kathleen Kennedy should be ashamed and fired. But I go, I digress. Yeah, and I I agree wholeheartedly with a lot of that. And I just – but this is different because we're not recasting. 
we are starting with somebody that we actually do care about. Even though the prequels were not what they should have been, we still care about Obi-Wan Kenobi, and we do care about Ewan McGregor because as an Obi-Wan Kenobi, he's fantastic. He definitely fits the mold. He has been probably the only thing about the prequels that makes complete sense that we actually pull for. You know, you watch the um, Phantom Menace, you're like, yes, I'm following Obi-Wan Kenobi's story. I'm following Qui-Gon Jinn, his master story, which is fine. And then we get into Attack of the Clones. The only part that actually is watchable is his story where he's <laughs> doing doing detectable detective work, trying to figure out what's going on. He goes to uh, – was it Ge- – Geno- uh, what is it called? Geonosis. G- Genovia was what you were about to say, which is Don't- Princess Diaries. <laughs> And then, you know, his part's the only watchable part. And then Revenge of the Sith, he's still the only watchable part of that, even though, you know, we should have gotten a lot better out of it. So, yes, I think this series is warranted and people are going to eat it up because this is a story about him being hunted, obviously, by... um, his former Padawan, who is now Darth Vader, and by Inquisitors, which are also Dark Jedi, apparently. I don't know much about them, but I'm going to play the uh, Fallen Jedi Fallen Order game here pretty soon, which is going to probably going to tell me a lot about it. Um, and I think there's a lot to be expected. If this can toe the line like The Mandalorian or even The Book of Boba Fett, which I have some concerns about Boba Fett... I think it's going to win because it's going to be it's going to be like a a shooter. Like if you did you ever watch Shooter with Mark Wahlberg or you've yeah, heard of those series? Sure, right? Underrated. Um even though if even if some of the gun stuff is I guess unrealistic. Um sure. Uh, this is going to be good because we have our favorite character who's gone into hiding, who has his own secret mission. He's trying to help the Jedi escape, um, and then he's going to be hunted by Dark Jedi. I mean, come on. What's not to like about that? As long as there's good lightsaber fights, we have a good story talking mostly about, like you said, Obi-Wan Kenobi and his relationship with uh, Darth Vader, Anakin Skywalker. I think, I think it'll be fine, and as long as the direction is kind of like the same direction as the Mandalorian. I think I think it'll be I a hope win. so. I think it'll I mean, be a- is it the same producers on it? Is it Dave Filoni and Is it Dave Filoni and um John Favreau? Yeah, is it those guys? Cuz if that is the case then I'm I feel better. I'm I'm looking at it right now. But to see that Joel Edgerton is coming back as Uncle Owen is is awesome because he kind of was a no name back in the day and when he was in revenge of the sith in 2005 but oh my gosh he he blew up and he's one of my favorite actors and the fact that he's back that's that's so cool i don't see it right here but oh here we go casting crew um I don't see their names. That's the writing credits. Let's see here. Direction. Kathleen Kennedy. Yeah. Well, yeah, I don't, I don't see their name at all. 
Executive producers, Kathleen Kennedy, uh, Michelle Rajwan. Anyway. I don't see Dave Filoni on here yet. It's a little little concerning. But I'm looking forward because I, I love Ewan McGregor. Like I think I've told you this before. The the sequels, seven, eight, nine, don't age well. But to me, the prequels age. Like it actually aged better. Yeah, as a kid, I didn't care about political intrigue, but as I grow up and I care a little bit more about politics, like it, it's fascinating to me. I think it's pretty cool. And I agree. Anyway, to be I, honest, like, do you? If you, I remember the day the trailer for Phantom Menace came out, and I watched it on my friend's like Mac, they had like a an iMac computer in their house. And I watched that, uh, what was it? A uh, quick time trailer video. And oh, I was like, this is the coolest thing I've ever seen because I grew up watching the original Star Wars trilogy like every freaking Saturday morning. I used to watch all of them over and over again. So when that came out, I was like, this is going to be dope. Or it better be dope. And it was. I mean, and it as, was. in our young minds, it was great. We saw it five, I saw it five or six times oh, in yeah. the theater. Um, I got. I went to KFC, Taco Bell, and A and W Burger, and got all the cups that matched it up. And uh, I still have them somewhere. <laughs> Maybe they might be worth money sometimes. But oh yeah. Anyway, looking forward to Kenobi. Things should be good. Should we end with Moon Knight? I kind of have a hard out at eleven. Mm-hmm. So um, let's do that. Let's, let's let's talk about Moon Knight. Tell me what you thought. I want to hear all of your. Tell me about from beginning to end. What did you think of the entire series? Well, I only have got through episode three, so I'm only halfway through. But but what I can say is that first episode was great. Just way to hook you. And the fact that they can devote this much time to somebody like a B-lister, some might even say a C-lister like Moon Knight, is so, so good. Osher Isaac's performance is fantastic as Steven. Like I, I, for a second, I was like, is he British? Let me go look that up. I, I, his accent is so spot on. Isn't it? He's just, oh, look at the show. And no, yeah, yeah. He does such a fantastic job. His cockney is so good. So on brand, so on point. And just the jump cuts of going in and out of personalities and seeing the result of what happened in that first one in that Switzerland town, you're just like, okay, you got me. You got me. I, I can I can commit some time to this. And the whole lore of like, okay, they need to build off each other. Steven uh, needs Mark because Mark's going to get him out of that get him out of all that trouble. Mark needs Steven because Steven really wants to be a, a curator or at least a tour guide at the Egyptian Museum and knows what he's talking about. Right. So, it, and it's just building off each other. And so I just, the episode I just finished is where Khonshu got turned into stone by the other gods. And so that's where I'm at right now. And uh, Arthur, um, Ethan Hawke's character, believable. You know, when you can devote this much time to not only the uh, protagonist, but the antagonist, you're like, okay, I get it. I can see his motivation. He was working for Khonshu. 
the judgment was too late. Too many people had perished. He, he references Stalin. He references uh, Hitler. You know, if, if that was taken care of earlier, this so it's very good points. It's logical, practical points. It's similar that you would see if when Thanos was making his, you know, almost environmental terrorist rant. You're like, all right, that's sure. a point mm-hmm. there. And so, but it, it makes it all that more intriguing. Um, so I'm excited to, to see where they're at. They just, yeah, he just got turned to stone and they just went to that party with the horses and, and all that thing. But cinematography wise, acting wise, I can't tell if this girlfriend has an accent or not. Is she like American? I, I just, I can't tell, but, um, certain. are there six episodes? There are six. There are six. Um, you finished them. I'm assuming. Right. Mm-hmm. Yes. Is it yes, is did. it one of your favorite of the Disney Plus series? Because it doesn't exactly connect to anything else, I think that makes it kind of magic in a way. Because you don't ha- this one, you don't have to rely on a prior knowledge of anything Marvel in order for right. this to work for you. Right. It's almost like watching the Mummy and kind of just enjoying this fun. Um, Tomb Raider, it is like Brandon thing, you know, just having fun watching this guy trying to figure out who he, you know, who am I? What is going on in my life? Why am I doing all this stuff while he's also technically a superhero, you know, and trying to figure out how to make his life work while also saving the world, sort of thing? It's like really fun. You know, and Oscar Isaac, man, he is absolutely one of my all-time favorite actors. The guy can do anything, and he's always spot on. He gives a hundred and ten percent when he's on screen, and playing that back and forth between his personalities is just absolutely fantastic. Next and level. I, I actually really like Khonshu as well. Khonshu's like actually kind of funny. Yeah. Like whenever he's there, he's he's like this. He's almost like a sick, twisted bastard, you know. He's just like crushes windpipe, you know. You know, mm-hmm. you know. He's he's vengeful, obviously, but uh, he's really, really funny in a way too. But yeah, you know. I was really intrigued and want to see more of it. Hopefully, it does come. Kind of his relationships with the other gods. I, I love world building. I'm a sucker for that. And so when they were meeting in the ta- uh, pyramid of Giza, I was like, I want to see more of this. I want to see more gods. Um, react to what was it exactly? What was it exactly that Kanchu got him in trouble with the gods? Besides, you know, his straw turning the sky back to know what it was. I want to know more about that kind of their relationship, and because I don't think the MCU has really delved into that. I, I think DC's done a great job. You know, the mythology is already there for uh, Greek a lot mythology. Of it, yeah. If for Greek mythology, like they really tapped into that with Wonder Woman, um, and and, and it's believable. with uh, with uh, Shazam as well. There's some of that too. Shazam, yeah, and so they did a really good job there. This is a Aquaman, good... obviously too. Atlantean <laughs> mythology, oh, yeah. And then Marvel finally, like you know what? There's this established. It's almost like believable to the point because of, like it's such Egyptian history and culture because it's so... ingrained, yeah, in the history books. Yeah, it's, we, we read about this, you know, the multiple guys and, and, and their powers and, and all this stuff. And the fact that we live in a supernatural, it would only make sense that there's those uh, gods that are kind of ruling that region of the earth. So 
And I think it was pretty cool. And when you said it's kind of kind of like mummy-ish, it's spot on. Spot Indiana on. Jones, like, like, yeah. mummy, you know. You, you go on a fun adventure with this character and you kind of have to find the thing. You have to get to the thing to do the other thing to do the other thing. And it's like, <laughs> I know that sounds stupid. Cuffin, huh? Exactly. But that's what makes it fun is like it's it's the the evolution of having – a roadblock and a success and another roadblock and you have to it's like reading a good book you know there's no good stories without proper roadblocks in the way of the hero who knows exactly what he needs to do and he just can't seem to get it yeah and you know he's always like one little half step behind everybody else you know that's just how it goes but i feel like they've they just really hooked into the Egyptian mythology and said, let that drive the story. Let that drive a lot of the, the background while also trying to help this guy figure out what's going on inside his head, yeah. you know, which is really just like fun to watch. And then to mention that I, I feel like um, as a as a superhero, he's pretty well unkillable. The only drawback is he's mostly a nighttime hero. You know, you don't see Batman walking around in broad daylight. This is the no. same kind of character where you don't see him do a lot in, you know, during the day because he's the moon god's hero, you know, his avatar. So, but you do get to see him do some pretty incredible shiz. So if you've seen him at the party with the horses and whatnot, he gets stabbed through like several yeah. times. Doesn't do jack shiz to him because he's in his element. So nothing yeah. can really nothing can really kill him. But he's pretty fun to watch. I'm always a little hesitant sometimes when you have the indestructible villains or protagonists. That's why I don't really relate too well to Superman. Um, most but don't. <laughs> most don't for that very reason. But I feel like him being impaled, I was kind of like, okay, he better have a weakness. I hope something his his vulnerability of different personalities. And hopefully that'll come through. I, I you want to have a, a superhero that has vulnerability, or else it's hard to root for him. So obviously he's lost, you know, a, a number of different encounters. Uh, with the Scarab and Ethan Hawke's character and stuff like that, losing that. So, and I really like how they dove or delved into kind of like what is real, what is real in this, and not as going as far as making the uh, the jackals invisible. Mm-hmm. And like I was like, what? Why did? But it makes sense. Like, is it in his head, or this whole illusion of what is real and the fact that they're invisible i was like oh okay i can believe that i'm behind that and i thought that was pretty cool so i think you'll find with the final three episodes that you'll watch that you're gonna get um the next one's going to be um pretty crazy to watch you'll get some more um indiana jones-ish type uh fun with it um, there'll be a lot to to eat eat up there, and then you'll get into some really deep mental stuff uh, with the episode five, and then finally you'll cap it with some mental things and some hard hitting action at the end. Gotcha. So there's a, but a lot of it does come full circle because 
um, you'll find that with this character of multiple personalities, I always get emotional because a lot of this like mental instability stuff is like for reals and having to come face to face with yourself in a way um, can make you feel a lot of things like why can't this person get over what they have blocking them and what they're willing to do in order to fix it. So keep an eye on that because that's going to, a lot of that just like plays a big role for this character trying to understand themselves so that they can win. So I feel like that's a, that's a big part of it. Has you heard that he's like, I'm done playing Moon Knight? Well, the, the, the whole premise originally was that it was a one and done series so one, it's a, a limited series, right. but the truth of it is, is that they changed the the title or they, they changed the finale from being a series finale to a season finale. So the likelihood of him coming back is actually pretty high. It is it, it's still within uh, streaming episodes, not probably a mm-hmm. full length feature, right? No, this is, I think he's going to remain on the smaller screen until there's another time for like another Avengers type thing or secret Avengers. He's usually part of a group called like the midnight Suns, or he's part of the West coast Avengers, West coast Avengers. I knew that. Yeah. So that's typically where moon Knight tops out at is like being part of one of those groups. This though is a bit of a deviation in a way from the comics background. Some of it is, is pretty spot on, but some of it also isn't. But I feel like what they've done here is they've made it more consumable for our, like the original context of like the comic background isn't as intriguing as this is. His background here as it's played out and written is a bit more interesting than the comics read him as. So I'm, I'm actually glad that they've made a deviation from the comics to make him sound better just because he's pretty underrated as a superhero and his background's kind of generic in a way but i'm glad what they've they've done with yeah i i'm very intrigued i love the fact that steven's like suit suit and he comes out in that he comes in a suit (laughs) it's great it's just humor's uh, human uh, elements like that, you're just like, okay, this is pretty cool. I can I can buy into that. So, yep, Stevens the he's the he's the proper one, and Mark's the badass, you know. Right. But there's so much more in there, and I'm not going to spoil any of it for you. Yeah, if you I ever read the comics, so there's 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 a lot more to to what is what you've already seen. There's like so much underneath that that you don't know about that, like. I immediately recognized when I when I saw it happening. I'm like, oh, so that I see what they've done. Okay. But um, well, we can talk about that once you're done. Yeah. With that. But um, I'm gonna let you head out, and then uh, our battle royale. We didn't even get to that, but I know we get talking. We will start with that next time, which will there be soon. But okay. thanks everybody for watching. Um, let us know what For you sure. think. Give us a like or whatnot. If you don't, <laughs> don't care. You're probably watching it anyway. So even if you don't like it, you've still watched it. So ha, I win. Um, there you go. Thank, thank you, everyone. And have a, well, I don't know if it's evening or night. Who cares? Just see you later then. <laughs>